Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Iron Radio. This is Phil Stevens. I am a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and a coach on Strength Guild online only now. So Jarrell <laughs> has the only operating facility. Uh, good morning. Morning. I'm Dr. Mike T. Nelson, social professor at the Kerrigan Institute, and we'll have the physiologic cert open them again probably on Labor Day. So physiologicflexibility.com for all the info or just drop me an email. And today is my birthday. I'm hey, 48. happy birthday, you old fucker. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I feel young now. It doesn't happen often. Yeah. <laughs> Two years from 50. <laughs> oh. How old are you now, Phil? I lose track. I'll be 46. So oh, okay. years ago. Nah. Yeah. Doesn't count. I mean, it's all the same once you hit your 40s. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's Coach Durrell out of Strength Guild in KC. Uh, Like we were just talking about off the air, it's kind of a dead time. I mean, for us, we're still working towards state, but it's otherwise kind of an empty space for gym. Actually, this is kind of when the gym starts, for me, the gym starts popping off a little bit. All people getting back into the schedule, so. Yeah. So what were you looking up? Something about the Arnolds is getting rid of a bunch of categories. Yeah, so they're omitting, it's like women's physique. Um, what was it? I was just looking at But women's physique, women's figure are out, which is kind of, those are like the main ones that people are. Not super happy with. Yeah, I'm sure. Those seem to be, just from looking at it at the outside here, because I'm not in that realm anymore, but they seem to be a big growing, it seems to be a growing part of that genre right now. I've seen a lot of powerlifters, female powerlifters move that way recently to bodybuilding and physique and fitness. and uh, So, yeah, that's kind of a shocker. I mean, they have... It looks like they have bikini, and I don't know who's, it doesn't say who's fitness, like who fitness is for, but bikini and fitness are the only two, and they still have wellness and pro wheelchair. Like, they have the Arnold Classic, fitness, classic physique, men's physique, bikini, wellness, and pro wheelchair are the, are the categories, but I don't. I don't think they even offered a like reason for why it was out. Just ended them. Wonder if they're bringing down the whole thing some. Because it's odd that they like get rid of that and keep like chess. (laughs) Some of the other sports they have, like of all the things that they could knock down, I mean that seems to be one of the ones tied into the origins of the that sport. Fest, you know, it seems like the beginning. It's kind of like the Olympics trying to get rid of wrestling. I mean, yeah, it's like. I mean, this one post is saying that women's physique is one of the biggest events on the Olympia stage, and at the IFBB Pro League main show. And so it's like been growing apparently according to I am Sarah Fit. So why would you uh 
get rid of that. Maybe it's not been, I don't know. Maybe it has, it's growing sometimes. It's like, yeah, last, last year we had three people. This year we have five. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Maybe so it's something it's like that. An increase. Yeah. Yeah. It very but well this, could be. I mean, women's, women's physique type stuff. And I mean, I hate to say it because some of it's related to just like sexuality or whatever, but it's like, that seems like it would be a relatively popular event yeah. at the Arnold, especially because yeah, especially you have out on the main stage out there in the main, yeah, main stage. And you have, um, you know, a lot of people from different different sporting backgrounds who can kind of come around. And I feel like the women would almost be like a bigger draw sometimes than the, like the men are, you know, men's physique a little bit different, but I think it would, I feel like it would be a main draw. So it's kind of confusing. Yeah. Maybe there's some sort of drama with like the organizers of women's physique stuff and Arnold company. Yeah. That'd be the only thing I could really see that would be like or some sort of reasonable exclusion. Yeah. Yeah, it seems weird. Yeah, I was just trying to find if there's any reasoning anywhere, but not seeing it. So I know they added a because uh, one of my one of my lifters got invited to it. They are adding a world's strongest f- firefighter mm. into the Arnold. So Dow will be going to that. And they're not announcing the events until like December or some shit. Uh, oh, wow. But I'm guessing it's a lot. I've trained people. One of my guys I trained for uh, the World Firefighter Games. And he won that. And it's just a mix of like there was a squad in there and then. Uh, arms only rope climb where you have to start seated, stuff like that, and the obstacle course, and that was pretty cool. But so we'll see mm. what that has to do. But yeah. So you had some stuff on AFib, Mike? Yeah, I think. Did we have a question on that? Well, we did from Ronnie. Too. I think we we had one from Ronnie a little bit ago, and then I'll mention him. Uh, and we kind of talked to him through that. That's been a, a month or so ago. Um. And so let's just go ahead and hit your question, then I'll kind of tell everybody what's going on with Ronnie, who is a longtime listener and supporter of the show. Yeah, I found a study on, uh, I think it's pretty interesting. So obviously I've been into metabolic flexibility. That was a topic of my research area for, so I've been looking at that area for, that's probably coming up on 13 years now, maybe longer. And more and more research comes out showing that it's related to just other systems in the body. And one of the things that's fascinating is how your heart, right? So your cardiac system is very metabolically efficient or flexible in healthy people. And this makes sense if you think about what the heart has to do. So the heart has to obviously keep beating all the time. But if you're doing high intensity exercise, you have a very limited time for the cardiac tissue to pick up fuels as they're literally just flying by mm-hmm. uh, because everything is happening so fast. And the heart, because it has to work all the time, just like the brain, it, it would be an advantage to use almost any type of fuel. So it can use carbohydrates. It can pull pyruvate directly. 
um, obviously fat. And there's been some interesting studies looking at uh, what happens in different disease uh, models. Uh, so one of them is DCM, so dilated cardiac myopathies or heart failure. So your heart starts to get uh, very large and can't beat as efficiently. And what they've seen there is that the fuel usage uh, starts changing. And it goes back and forth in the literature about, you know, is this really an adaptation? Is it not? But in theory, if we know the direction that it's going, maybe we could come up with some sort of test potentially to uh, look to see how metabolically flexible or inflexible your heart is. And there was a new study. It's a review article on metabolic inflexibility as a pathogenic basis for atrial fibrillation. This is in the International Journal of Molecular Science. Uh, last name is, I think, E, uh, Q-I-N. And this was, what's the published date on this? Literally just a few days ago. Well, it was actually technically June 2022. And it's a pretty nice review. <clears throat> it's open access, so you can get access to it. And what it's talking about is the kind of the origin of atrial fib or AF, uh, what happens with metabolic flexibility in the normal heart, which basically whatever substrate, whatever fuels are kind of going by, you know, ideally the heart can just pull it off and use those to create energy ATP. And then it talks about what happens if you have atrial fibrillation. So if we back up and think, you know, what is atrial fibrillation? It's this more really, really rapid contraction of the top chamber of the atrium of the heart, but it's not very coordinated at all. And so if you've ever, they've done animal models where they've done this, and if you've looked at it or you can directly visualize it, it just looks like the, the top part of the heart is just quivering. Or one of the EPs I used to do a lot of work with would say that it looks like just a bag of worms. It's not coordinating blood flow down into the ventricle, into the bottom. And so they were looking at, well, what happens with different changes in fuel usage, you know, when atrial fibrillation is going on. And then they went on to talk about uh, some different knockout mice where they've knocked out just different parts of, say, glucose uptake or fatty acid metabolism. Does that put someone at a higher risk uh, of AF? And then at the end, it's looking at the heart itself, and we know that other things, not all the time, but things like blood pressure, obesity, diabetes, as your body becomes more metabolically inflexible, in case of diabetes, um, your risk of atrial fib tends to go up also. So they're looking at, are those things kind of uh, correlated with each other? And yeah, so overall it was a pretty good review. I mean, it's, I would say it's definitely in-depth in certain areas, but, you know, if someone has a relative background in physiology, I think they could probably, you know, poke their way through and possibly get some, you know, interesting uh, tidbits out of it. Uh, the last part on that, too, was that there's a lot of very interesting stuff on uh, ketones. So in the brain, if you get uh, hit in the head, we know that concussion, TBI, traumatic brain injury, uh, can result in glucose metabolism just getting really wonky. It's like you tossed a wrench into it. And then with your blood-brain barrier potentially opening up, you've got a whole bunch of stuff flowing into the brain that just really screws up glucose metabolism. 
Um, but in those cases, it appears that the brain is still able to use ketones. Um, so I did a program looking at review of the research for the Kerrigan Institute on the use of ketone supplements or a ketogenic diet post-concussion uh, TBI. So with the heart, maybe ketones, maybe lactate, maybe these other intermediate fuels um, could serve uh, to still provide energy to the heart uh, if you've got some sort of disease process going on. But right now, yeah, data on that is still uh, very early, but at least mechanistically, which doesn't always prove out to work, uh, some positive uh, data for that. Gotcha. It seems like I've been hearing about AFib and SVTs a lot lately. Um, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's just become more, I don't know, if it's, it's like cancer. Everybody's like, oh, there's so many cases. Is it really that or have we gotten good at, like, diagnosing it? Is there an uptick or is it just now we know what this is? Have people been dealing with this uh, SVTs and AFib stuff for a long time? But um, We're also more aware of it through various means like social media and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's like anything else. I mean, social media definitely did that to to every facet of life. Um, You know, it wasn't long ago where if something happened in Ohio, we just didn't know about it in Kansas. And now you know within seconds. But I wanted to give a shout out since we're talking about AFib. Uh, Ronnie Bossy, who is a longtime listener and supporter of the show, yeah, he wrote us a few months back just about training with AFib and coming back from it and this and that because he had a an ablation last April and everything was going great. And then a few weeks ago they weaned him off his cardiac medication and he ended up going into AFib again. Uh, mm. and so they had yet another surgery and I guess the cost of the recent surgery was like $120,000 anyways his wife reached out to me and uh, I'm just going to shout it out on here uh, if anybody feels like donating they started a uh, a GoFundMe for him and his family uh, to kind of help they do have insurance but it's a high deductible and now they've been hit a couple times with it and uh, so if anybody's feeling nice and giving so you can just look that up. I think it's just go to like Ronnie's cardiac surgery. You can search that and uh, go find me and it pops up or I post it on the Iron Radio Facebook page of my own as well. So always good to support people that support us. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, other than that, man, there's not. Did he have a question about training with it then? He did. We well, we covered that like a month or so ago. He wrote. Oh, got it. Back okay. my text that we already covered that one, but before his first surgery. Yeah. Right. Him. I remember talking about that. Yeah. So that was the same, and then this just popped up, and uh, you know, he texts me here and there, and I screw with him. So, and then it was <laughs> sorry to hear about that, but uh, yeah. I mean, other than that, like I said, I was scouring the news and. There's not a ton going on. I don't know if Jarrell has anything on the, uh, I know Pan Am's just finished up. I don't know if there was anything. Uh, I didn't see a ton on Pan Am's. Um, I mean, we didn't talk about the CrossFit Games kind of went off. It kind of started yeah. and finished kind of quietly last. Oh, I didn't even know what happened. happened. Yeah, oh, it was pretty no, quiet. I do not know. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. I, I would say, I mean, look, it 
it has gotten really quiet, like the the chatter about it for sure. Yeah, it used to. Be but part great. of it too is that it's like the same people won, and so yeah, I mean, kidding. there's not yeah. So Maderos won again. Uh, Toomey won again. Mayhem mm-hmm. team won again. So it's like. I mean, from a spectator standpoint, they're st- they're struggling with like rivals to the top teams. Yeah. So, Makes but yeah, sense. I mean, they, I maybe not as interesting. I don't know. I mean, part of it's just CrossFit. You know, the the main CrossFit stuff kind of dropping off a little bit, but otherwise, yeah, it's the same. So, yeah, same winners. Mine's. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see anything that was like that crazy interesting about this CrossFit Games. Like I only, I, I kept up with some of the events and stuff and see who was kind of winning, you know, what events and who was on the leaderboard. There was a, a local girl, I think, who was local teen who did pretty good. I think it's uh, Jacob Hebner's athlete. Athlete. I'll have to. I don't remember her name. I'll have to. Keep that for next time. Give her a shout out. But uh, yeah, I honestly, it, there were some people, like even local people, who went. Like uh, uh, Cole, who was at Cross Release Summit or out of Cross Release Summit, he, you know, he made it to this. I think this was his first games that he actually qualified for. Um, I think he was in the twenty range. I think I don't know. And then I think we had a master, not we, but so there was a master's athlete from around here who made it. Um, but other than that, it just, it all seems quiet. Like even that stuff, like I saw, so I saw some pictures of like all the gear they got or whatever. And then I saw, you know, maybe a clip here and there, but overall, like I saw literally nothing. Normally that is like all the social media chatter is yeah. that. So, so at some point, do you think when they're programming for it, do they look at who's winning now and what kind of their weak points are to try to set up the games next time to make it more interesting? Because technically they can program whatever they want for the games. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they... No, I don't think they ever look at who's doing what, and then. I, I mean, that would make more sense. No, I don't. I don't think they do. Just like the programming itself, it's almost like they're trying to entertain the athletes and not the spectators. Yeah, it would be kind of how I. It's like you know, because they're trying to be like, oh, we have this, we're unveiling this new thing, but it's mostly something that. Like the athletes would be interested in or complain about, but not something that like a spectator would. If I go back and look at like the events that do the best spectator wise, like where people tune in and like, oh man, this was cool. The one they did that was kind of like a little, it was on the football field, but it was basically a sprint. Like they, you know, had to sprint and do some agility stuff kind of thing or, um, Short workouts that everyone can see. They had like a big monkey bar workout the year we went. That was like, that was like the big deal. And then, uh, stuff like that does well. And so I feel like they're trying to, 
you know, find that balance between like, how do we not destroy everyone that shows up and keep everyone interested? Which I don't know. Maybe the games part of CrossFit is just getting more localized and people are just kind of stopping to care about it. Yeah. And so like still getting participation, but I don't know. Like I said, I, I think CrossFit just needs its time in the, in the garages of the world. Like it started there and these, so powerlifting, weightlifting have survived in garages for yeah. like a period of time before they popped again. Like this might just be CrossFit's time to like withstand that. Yeah. And withstand then, their first recession. So yeah, yeah. exactly. <sighs> so I think for programming, Dave Castro is back advising, but did not do the programming for the games. Correct. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I'm not 100% sure. They're not super clear about what. So when he got, when he got clipped, he said he already had already done all the games program. Right. And then, then they were like, well, we're moving him out of that position. And then when they hired him back, they hired him back to a different position. Right. So, and then they were like, oh yeah, he's staying on to advise. And so it's very confusing. I have no idea what Dave Castro's role in okay. the so it wasn't just programming is. <laughs> no. No, I mean, it's all confusing. I think they have a new CEO even, and I think Castro had posted something about that. Oh, wow. And I was like, I didn't even see that news. Like, no. I had no idea, and I saw the name and didn't look into it anymore. But So a lot of changes. I mean, part of me feels like Cross has just been like, like, it's been stripped of its soul, in my opinion, like, the antics of Greg Glassman were unacceptable, don't get me wrong, but somehow it's just like kind of an empty, I don't know, it's like an empty pursuit with, not with like the CrossFit athletes, I don't want to take anything away from them, but just the overall CrossFit brand in general just feels very generic almost now. Like, yeah, there's there's no noise, they're like very safe. You know, there's nothing going on. Not that, you know, all the Greg Glassman news was good. I kept eyes on him, though. Yeah. (laughs) And also, it showed he was passionate about whatever it was. And that's what I feel like is lacking from whatever they got going on right now. It's just like an underlying passion and fire. It feels very, you know, robotic almost. Like, it just is like, now it's a... Now it's just a cash machine, you know. Like it just seems yeah. Like... They lost their they lost their identity a little bit. Like somewhat, all the hatred people had towards Glassman. Like there was both people loved him and hated him, and it just mm-hmm. kept it in the news. You know, <laughs> uh, it kept them relevant. And now it's like uh, they're just there, you know. And that's like I've said that in numerous things. Like there's one thing you don't want to be. And that's just accepted. Like, oh, okay, there it is. Like, there's that. <laughs> because then you're forgotten about. Like, if you're hated or loved, you got something going on. And usually those two go hand in hand. Like, if you're loved, there's also a group that fucking hates you. So, yeah. <laughs> and vice versa. Um, so, I mean, look at powerlifting. I mean, even even the controversy within there. You Like, single ply versus multiply versus raw. Like, there's always bickering and bitching, but 
it's it helps in some ways uh, yeah. because it fuels people to. Well, I'm going to show the multiplayer guys I'm better than them, and I'm going to show the raw guys I'm better than them, and blah 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 blah. So it just keeps things relevant a little bit. Sometimes a little bit of infighting and drama is uh, drama in today's age. That's what everybody's looking for, and CrossFit lacks drama now. So yeah. uh, that could be uh, it, right there. I'd love to see a graph of bickering and powerlifting and and rolling and meets, and I bet you they both trend in the same direction. Oh yeah, probably so. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Even with CrossFit, I mean, obviously Glassman did all sorts of you know crazy stuff, and everyone has their own opinion, and he probably got what he deserved. But he, no one for as long as he was there, no one was very good at predicting what he was gonna do oh, because oh. he would do so much crazy shit, which almost had people watching just to see how he screwed up today and what <laughs> what he did. Oh, yeah. Like his greatest time in history when he was putting out those drunk videos. It was oh, amazing. God. Amazing. <laughs> like, I I never followed CrossFit more than then. <laughs> like, I was just waiting for the next freaking Glassman video to come out. Uh, yeah, it was badass. But Wasn't he going off on a, a rant, like looking extremely disheveled as normal about Coca-Cola and how that was like the, the death of everyone and that was all the issues were 100% yeah. related to Coca-Cola? And <laughs> yeah, and there were several. Like one of my favorite ones was where he, like, he reached for a glass and it wasn't there. He reached yeah. for a glass and went to drink it. It was like, oh, my God. And there was nothing <laughs> there. Was like, oh, geez. It was amazing. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then he'd go on those tirades of like a laundry list of terms that he'd make up. Yeah, he'd take existing things and just turn them into his own, and oh, it's good stuff. So I miss those days. Yeah. Gave me lots of fuel. Yeah, man, you gotta have some. Local boxes even program for the games anymore because for a while they were almost like trying to distance themselves, you know. From it, and I would imagine the average person going into a CrossFit is not looking to be a games competitor. So I think that doesn't necessarily feed into their identity. Because I know for a while they were kind of featuring the games and I talked about maybe not even having it anymore. And mm-hmm. yeah. they've gone back and forth on that a lot. Well, I think a I lot mean, of this stems from when they killed the Open. Yes, you know, killing well, the open the biggest thing that just hurts the games out. a lot. It just removed that. Like ninety nine percent of people that go to a CrossFit know they weren't going to the games, but they had that chance. There was always the chance, you know? <laughs> uh, and, that and you can test yourself and find yeah, out. You can test yourself and see how close you are, you know. And honestly, for anybody, that's not a like the that system is pretty smart because it just oh, gets. Yeah. Uh, it's a built-in thing. Like last year, I was number one million four hundred eighty-two. I moved up thirty-eight spots. You know, yeah. I'm still one million some out of top. But look, I moved up. You know. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, their their sport, just like, and maybe it's all strength sports minus strongman, because you could flip on strongman and be like, okay, this is interesting. See what people are doing. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're the Growth of your sport with CrossFit, weightlifting, whatever, depends like is directly related to the participation in your sport. Yes. 
So it's like you need a lot of people participating. Like football doesn't. Like, you know what I mean? Like the NFL does not need people yeah. participating in football for it to grow. Like part of the thing with, I would even say like the growth of soccer in, at least in Kansas City, mm-hmm. has been like Sporting KC has pumped a ton mm-hmm. of money into the youth stuff. Like, yeah. And I don't remember ever soccer. Soccer was like a nerd's thing. Like, you're, like yep. if you played soccer, you were a nerd. When I was <laughs> and then yep. we go into like so sporting. Now there's like huge soccer fields, like multi million dollar facilities in a bunch of places. Games going on every weekend. A ton of like I would just call them high priced soccer clubs that are like year round. And then now look at the Sporting KC games, which that's not even like, that's not like pro, pro soccer. You know, those guys are, yeah. you know, getting paid millions, but not like, it's, it's not like the, you know, Premier League type guys. Yeah. And those games are packed and are a lot of fun if you go. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you need participation at some level and like getting people involved in the sport. I mean, I think honestly, and, NFL has kind of taken steps back in the last however many years, but a lot of that has to do with the concussion stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you see it kind of dying at the middle school level, right? Like I, I saw middle schools that had trouble fielding teams this year in this area, which is weird. Like that's kind of unheard of hmm. within the last 20 years. So it's like, you're going to see somewhat of a drop off in football participation. I know baseball's dealing with it right now. Same thing. But some of that's like you get into that club stuff. It's like you've pretty much priced everyone out of participating in youth sports that are like, you know, at a, at an appropriate level. Like unless you have money, it's a barrier. Like, yes, which I kind of disagree with that with sports in general. It's like, you shouldn't have to pay thousands of dollars to participate in, you know, youth soccer and this and that. Yes. And, you know, you got to pay oh, to get yeah. on the best teams and stuff like that. Like, that seems so crazy to me and so anti, like anti what sports probably, in my opinion, should be about, at least in the United States. Yeah, it's turning those sports into what gymnastics has been in this country for decades. Yeah. You know. Which is a a little rich kid sport. You know, it's just what it is yeah. because most people were forced out of it. Like we had a lot of great athletes that just weren't able to do it due to the cost of entry. So, and yeah, it's definitely becoming that way. I've seen a backlash from. There's a lot of coaches and stuff in youth sports talking about just that. Like the barrier has become too big, and then like all these club teams going all the time and all these tournaments, like playing seven games a day, and it's like. They've leached the fun and learning out of youth sports. Because yeah. now, even at the, the low level, like it's all about just winning. It's not about learning the sport or bringing in good athletes. You know, it's, a, it's about money and winning above all at the youth level. And that's not where it should be. It should be about making athletes for the future. But, so. Yeah, I, I would be interested, in, and mostly because weightlifting, I think, has oddly done a good job of this lately, of uh, bringing youth athletes in and developing and 
and all that stuff. Although there is a lot of drama still involved with that, but like you look at the some of the international programs and like their systems of development, it's like how would you go about creating that in this sort of capitalist system? Right? And I'm not this is not advocating for socialism or communism, but it is a lot easier to just be like, no, here's the money for this. Yeah. And this is the development standards and they have structure all the way up to the top mm-hmm. where it's like, it's about development at this stage and this, that stage. Not to say that they don't have their drama as well, but it like the systems are different in terms of the development. And I think the chase for money over everything it, it like has undermined youth sports, at least in kind of the main sports like uh, you know, football, soccer, volleyball, mm-hmm. basketball. What? Like, how would you? I mean, obviously, you would have to like almost restrict certain things, and like maybe create some systems that are more conducive to like staying local and staying with your team and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, how would you even go about doing that? I don't know. Cause you'd have to get everybody on board and yeah, there's always going to be that trick. coach. There's going to always be that. It's just like, you know, right now the NFL preseason is going on and you have these coaches that like, like you have the good teams that go out and they don't care. Like they know preseason means nothing. They just come in to get some practice in and get the hell out of the game and not hurt anybody. And then you have these other coaches that are so hard up for winning. It's like it means something to them, and they play fucking balls out and, like, leave their starters in for three-quarters of the game to win a preseason game at the risk of hurting them, even though it means fuck all at the end of the day. Like, all those games are erased on week one. So, and you're, of course, though, that's at the pro level you have coaches doing this. So, of course, at the little league level, you still have, you know, Johnny's dad wants to win no matter what. Fuck the athletes. You know, I don't care if we hurt them. We need to win this game against the, you know, Shawnee County Tigers. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> whereas in the grand scheme of things, when this kid's nine years old, it means nothing to him later in life that he won the, you know, the Shawnee County Open or something. You know, and then he blew his ACL when he was 12 because he was overworked. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you'd fix that, but... Um, yeah, and that goes, I think, a little bit what you guys were saying, all the way to what is the number one reason most kids are competing in sports? You know, like the amount that start in youth sports are going to be, you know, at the professional level is what, like zero one percent or yeah, less. Yeah. Super. You know, it's ridiculously low. Yep. So then the question is, okay, if most of them are not going to be a professional, then should we have all this focus on winning when they're six years old versus Mm -hmm. maybe there's a lot of stuff we can teach them about sport and development as a human and movement and everything else. But that I think would help you win games, but you know, you're back to what you said, Phil is like, you know, Johnny's six years old. He has to win, and you didn't play him enough. And you know, (laughs) nobody's on board with that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the hard part. It's like, yeah. I'm sure there are a percentage of coaches that are out there like that. Like not oh, all sure. that. It's yeah. just the you're never going to change that other percent that's not. And you know, I'd argue that like you would probably have more. 
more kids make it higher levels or more kids at least stay involved, more people stay involved as they got older. If they just like, number one, it's, it's gotta be fun. Yeah. Don't leech all the fun out of it. You know, if, if, if you were introduced to a sport at seven and it was a blast most of the time, of course there's going to be bad days, whatever. But if overall you just had fun, you're probably going to keep being active and doing stuff like that when you're old. You know, yeah. If it just sucked from 9 to 12 and then you quit, why the hell would you go back and try again? You know, all yeah. you know is like, man, that sucked. So, uh, I mean, part of my thing with it too is like, and I, and I like the idea of like a nationals, you know, and all that stuff, but it's like keeping the sport local because I know in a, like in AU basketball, it's like you have, guys who will be playing with a team that's, you know, across the country. That's their AAU team. And it's like, no, man, like make it, keep it local, stay with the team that you're in your neighborhood and try to make that team, you know, good, like, and be the best person on that and then grow from there. And I know like in way of the thing, I think something is lost in the, like the online space. Like when you join an online team versus you're like, oh, okay, well, and if there's a huge disparity in like experience and programming, like I understand that, but like, like building your local team and being a really good part of your local team, I think means more than being a good lifter on like, you know, one of the big teams. It's not, that's not to hate on them, like Max Ada's team or whatever the, Whoever they are, or Power Grayson Performance, and I know he's he's even tries to get his athletes to like move there, come train or whatever. So, but say if you have this online thing and it just feels so, you know, kind of empty and like, well, yeah, like they're just oh, cherry picked. Like most of them are cherry picked. They weren't actually didn't actually learn from the system. Yeah, they're on the team because somebody else coached them up right, and then they got cherry picked from. Like, hey, you're on our team now. Yeah. But, but not to say that, that, like, look, I get that part, but, like, yeah. it's got to mean less, you know what I mean? Like, having your your club team being like, oh, yeah, like, I'm cheering for this guy, you know? Like, the to me, the best experience when you go down to, like, nationals and stuff like that is the teams where they have, like, actual clubs where they all kind of train together. Uh-huh. And not to say that they win or, you know, win more or lose or whatever, but it's like you go to the training hall, you have like your friends that you go to the training hall with. Like the whole experience is just better that way. Yeah. It's like they kind of hang out with, you know, people. I mean, it was like when I grew up, that's who you hung out with, like people on your, yeah. on your team. team. Yeah. It's like yeah. they live, you know, you're in, you know, Kansas City and they're in California. It's like, okay, well, we're not, we see each other at meets. Yeah. And like, you know. Yeah. I don't see a way to fix that unless. Yeah. But maybe it doesn't need fixed. Yeah. That comes back to, I mean, it all, a lot of this came about because of social media. You you wouldn't have had that before, you know, Uh, because you wouldn't have even known that, you know, what are the chances back in 1990 that if there was a weightlifting meet, and you were like the best around here. Like you wouldn't even know the person out in Virginia existed until you made it to a national level meet. Yeah. 
So, do you think social media has had an overall negative impact on sport or strength sport, at least, but sport in general? In ways, but it's also had amazing. That like it's also the only reason why a lot of people know about weightlifting and powerlifting. Like years in the early 2000s, the average person knew nothing about didn't even know powerlifting existed. Um, but now, you know, it's all over the social medias. So, yeah, I mean, of course, like anything else, there's there's good and there's bad. I think it did. It changed. It definitely changed the team dynamic. Because, um, like you said, it used to be, you know, you had your five or six people that you trained with, and you all rolled in the meets together. Um, but now. It's now there's 150 people on the team that have never met each other in person, but except for at meets, and so yeah, definitely different. On the weightlifting side, here's probably one of the things that I've. It's like you see what your enemies are doing all the time. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I saw so and so hit this weight, and it's like, I mean, it almost. I mean, maybe it's you know some sort of inspiration, but it also is like, to me, it creeps like creates like a high pressure anxiety situation oh, yeah. in training where it's like you're always aware of what all these people are doing and like mm-hmm. let's say somebody hits a PR or something and they post it right and yeah. you're like oh shit like I gotta now maybe it's like oh I gotta go to the gym but it's like oh like you know maybe your programming isn't like the goal isn't to be super intense right now well yeah, yeah there's that and there's like when you when you hear talk people talk about the bad parts of social media and stuff it's it's the same in lifting you know you as a lifter you're seeing nothing but those your competitors highlights Mm -hmm. so in your head you're like fuck they are perfect they never mess up they're always hitting new prs yeah because you they they're not going to show you when they miss a fucking clean and jerk and look like shit yeah and that might be happening 80 percent of the time but that's not what you get to see so you as their competitor, you're like, fuck, I had a bad day, but look what they did. They they never have a bad day. Um, so, and that's just like life. I mean, most people's social media presence is, has no reflection of their real life. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, we already know that it's practically destroyed science because you can only, only post a headline and that's all people will click on. Yeah. No further questions that yep. you, like no follow up. Yep. No. You know, it's just like yeah, a headline is gospel now. Yeah. So, yeah. When was the last time you saw someone on social media say like, "Dang, I, you know what? I was wrong about that." I really <laughs> fucked that. <laughs> like, uh, fuck that. Damn, yeah. I fucked that up. Bad. Whatever. <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it destroys your brand. Everyone's creating their own personal little brands now. Yep. So now you so have cool. all the. The talking heads of various forms in the side little window doing commentary on someone else's video, which I don't know why that just drives me personally insane. So now we're commenting on other people commenting. Like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in like yeah. four months, I'll probably have one doing it. So don't yeah. yell at me too much, but yeah, yeah. seems insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, like you get into the minutia where it's like the disagreement is so little, but it's so super emotionally charged somehow. It's it's not a great place. I mean, it should be a you think a great place for discourse, right? Like 
you could immediately look something up. Like, yeah, you can, you could say something. It's on essentially the ledger and then you can go look it up and then craft your response and without a time frame. Should be a great place to have uh, some sort of discourse, but it somehow is even worse than talking to a lunatic in person. Like, it makes very little sense. But in the sporting sense, it's like someone says an absolute statement. I always post something with, like, the kids that lift, and there's always a comment. It's like, that's destroying their bodies, right? Yeah. And it's like that statement has more impact than me posting anything related to, like, why it's not. Oh, you yeah. Know what I mean? And so it's like, no, ask some follow-up questions. Maybe maybe say, ah, you know, I don't really know about this. I'm not an expert hmm. about kids and lifting or whatever. It's like that doesn't stop anyone from it's like, oh, I'm a I do a glass blowing, but today I am a strength and conditioning expert for thirteen and under children. <laughs> And then hey. the worst is you'll have other people comment under that. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, that's totally correct. Like we're all like, you know, don't yeah. do anything in the field. But then there's like seven comments under that one comment. People look and they go, oh, wow, that thing must be true. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the strength training bit is is always – and I always get that kind of comment on like kids. So like I'll post some of my younger athletes lifting and – that that is always like the main I don't get a lot of hate otherwise, like sometimes, but not usually. But that is like, oh, these you're destroying it's like okay, but your daughter just got six concussions in women's soccer last year. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> weightlifting's bad for them. Yeah. Exactly. And you're like, okay, I don't understand. Makes yeah, no sense. I'll post research on creatine or something like that, and then I'll get interesting messages about, you know, that's a steroid. You're, how dare you recommend this evil supplement? And I'm like, uh, I had right. the reference there. I had the research there. I was just talking about this particular study, but no, that doesn't mean anything. It's, yeah. it's evil, and you're doing a horrible thing, and you're a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, creatine, I feel like people just kind of get that way when they're like, oh, everything that makes you stronger is steroids. Yes. And then, yes. Yeah. So, because I've heard that too. I like, uh, even from a family member when I was younger, it's like, creatine, careful with that stuff. It'll make you aggressive. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That's like you watch, you remember that, is it that Ben Affleck? Oh, that was an amazing movie? show. <laughs> God, that's amazing. <laughs> And they're like, oh, that was creatine that he yeah. was injecting. It's like, yeah. no, that's not. Just that's muscles is not aggression. You know, it's not necessary. That's, that's Ben Affleck's best role ever. Ever. <laughs> He's never done anything better than that. So, <laughs> if you haven't watched it, you got to watch it. So, it's like an after school special. It was an after school special about Ben Affleck was on the football team and he started taking the steroids and he just went batshit. Oh, Running yeah. through walls. And, yeah. Oh, it was great. And then he that's had funny. Is he already looked like a thirty-year-old high school student? Yeah, so he did. Was, <laughs> they, they had to ship him off to rehab and everything else. It ruined his whole life. It was amazing. So, it was it was like the Doctor and Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing. I mean, the minute he took steroids, he just turned into Mister Hyde. 
You know, it was all bad. <laughs> so it was much like the Reefer Madness video. So, oh God! Yeah, it's oh. on that level. But it's, it's amazing. Uh, you, Mike, have you not seen it? I haven't seen that one. No, I'm like gonna I find it. Look for it oh, now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna find it. Uh, What's funny is that shaped a lot of people's view yeah. about steroids. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. It had a it had a huge impact at the time because that was like the 90s or whatever. Yeah. And then it like right in kind of in the same era, you had the baseball stuff popping up, and sure. so it like all that stuff. Just from a social context, that had a huge impact on, you know, steroid opinions in general. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of my biggest pet peeves, too. It's like for, I mean, this happens historically all the time. It's like you would think at some point we could get to the point where we could have an intelligent conversation about drugs based on actual data, but that, like, almost never happens or at least not in the popular media i should say it's slowly getting better but from the you know reefer madness you had prohibition to performance enhancing drugs to psychedelics to whatever it just seems like that the headlines are so far the other way and i just feel like it just it just sets back like all the actual education of the pros and cons like light years backwards in time (laughs) Mm. Oh, man. A body to die for. That's what I'm looking up right now. Yep, body to die <laughs> for. Ben Affleck. It was supposedly based on a true story, the Aaron Henry story. I don't know who that is. Uh, I don't know. Apparently some kid that took steroids and turned badass, but people didn't like him. <laughs> 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 so, oh, man. Mm. All right, we can end it there. It's been an hour. That's a good place to end. Everybody go watch yeah. A Body to Die For. There you go. And and Reefer Madness. Make it a weekend thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so maybe throw in some Monty Pythons in there, too, for some yeah. comedic value. So. It'll be good to go. It'll yep. be all up to date. Yep. So, all right, guys. Until next weekend. All right. See you. Later. <laughs>